This episode contains distressing themes and is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. On this episode of They Walk Among America, an execution-style killing in a Dallas parking garage. The victim, a pediatric dentist. Was it a robbery gone wrong or a murder-for-hire plot? Authorities unpick the details and find an insidious motive for the crime. Welcome to episode 15 of They Walk Among America, a joint production between the Law and Crime Podcast Network and They Walk Among Us, the award-winning true crime podcast. Wednesday, September 2nd, 2015. At approximately 7.45pm, Hashem Saad and a friend were walking to their car, leaving an upmarket Dallas apartment complex. They suddenly heard a woman screaming. Seconds later, the distinct sound of gunshots echoed through the multi-storey parking lot. Saad and his friend ran to their car, unsure of what to do or where the shooter was. In the rearview mirror, Saad could see a dark Cherokee Jeep pass behind his car, so the witness seized the chance to get away. As Hashem Saad's car neared the exit, he saw a woman lying on the ground in a pool of blood next to a white Toyota Camry. The Cherokee drove around and came up behind Saad's car as he was leaving, but it sped away as they left the parking lot. Saad pulled over as soon as he could and dialed 911. Hashem Saad tells the dispatcher that a woman had been shot in the parking garage of the Gables Park 17 apartment complex on Cedar Road in Dallas, Texas. Emergency responders rush to the scene, where they find a woman unresponsive on the ground. There appears to be a gunshot wound to her head. Resuscitation efforts were futile. Chest compressions were simply causing the recirculated blood to pour from the wound at the back of the victim's head. The parking garage was cordoned off and homicide detectives were called. On closer inspection, investigators can see an entry wound at the back of the victim's head and an exit wound beneath her chin. It was clear she had been shot from behind while her hands were up. On the ground next to the victim, crime scene analysts find a mobile phone, a bullet casing and a magazine from a gun. The evidence was collected and sent to the crime lab to be analysed, but no prints were found on the gun clip, which had come from a 40 calibre pistol. The victim had no identification amongst her belongings. The well-dressed woman, guessed to be in her thirties, would presumably have had a purse or handbag with her, but it was nowhere to be found. Car keys for the white Toyota Camry were lying on the ground next to the woman's body. Working on the presumption that the keys belonged to the victim, Officers ran the car's license plate, which came back as belonging to a pediatric dentist who lived in the building. They compared the vehicle owner's license photograph with the victim. She was provisionally identified as 35 year old Dr. Kendra Hatcher. A robbery is usually a crime of opportunity but the parking garage was gated. Only residents with a key fob had access to the area, so although it may have initially seemed like a mugging gone wrong, 
Some considerable effort would be needed on the part of the perpetrator to get inside and wait for an unsuspecting victim. CCTV cameras were dotted all around the parking garage at almost every angle. With Hashem Saad's description and grainy footage of a dark-coloured jeep in the parking lot at the time of the shooting, detectives knew that they were looking for two suspects and the jeep. Investigators released photographs of a black Jeep Cherokee that they referred to as a vehicle of interest. They said that the surveillance footage had captured the Jeep following another car through the gates of the garage into the Gables Park 17 lot at around 7.13pm. As grainy as the footage was, it appeared that the driver was a woman. The recording showed Dr. Kendra Hatcher parking her car around half an hour later. As her vehicle came to a standstill, a man got out of the Jeep Cherokee and approached Kendra. According to a press release from Dallas Police, witnesses describe hearing a gunshot and the individual got back into the vehicle of interest and it drove out of the parking garage. Officers wanted to identify the driver and said that based on the surveillance footage, the shooting was not random. It was evident that the person in the Jeep Cherokee had followed Kendra and approached her. The Jeep was described as an older model of car, which appeared to have damage to the hood or the paint was faded, and it also seemed to have paper tags. As details of the murder swept through the area, fear found its place in the homes of local residents. Gables Park 17 was considered an upmarket apartment complex, and only residents had access to the secure parking garage down below. Shannon Self, who lived in the apartment block, said, People don't feel safe in there. I talked to a guy earlier. He had to walk his girlfriend down because she didn't feel safe. In response to the murder, Dallas police increased the security parole outside of the apartments. As part of their investigation, officers also conducted door-to-door inquiries. They asked the public if anybody had seen anything suspicious to please get in touch with the authorities. Dr. Kendra Hatcher's family released a statement, which read in part, Kendra had so much to give, and we are so thankful her 35 years will live to the fullest. We will miss Kendra tremendously, especially her laugh and smiles, but we cannot fully mourn and celebrate her life until the authorities apprehend the person responsible for committing this senseless act. Some of Kendra's colleagues made a small memorial outside the parking garage where her body was found. A collection of flowers, photographs, candles and pictures were left in tribute. Dr. Kendra Hatcher was a native of Pleasant Plains, Illinois. She was one of five children, a sibling to three sisters and one brother. Loved ones said she was vibrant, and Kendra loved to smile. She was intelligent, hardworking, and fun-loving, and that was just some of her defining traits. She was also noted for her extremely generous nature. Kendra volunteered at Habitat for Humanity and helped disadvantaged children in her spare time. She was adventurous and a keen traveller. She had studied abroad in Spain before she went to dental school at the University of Kentucky. Kendra had received a public service scholarship to DePaul University, where she had been a member of the Kappa Alpha Theta fraternity. It was hard to comprehend why anyone would hurt her, and why Kendra had explicitly been targeted. Dr. Kendra Hatcher had married Scott Fisk, 
who she had met while studying at DePaul. They had stayed together through college in their postgraduate years. As Scott Fisk said to the Dallas Morning News, We had lived, loved and laughed. We shared many adventures and at one time set off to build a life together. Unfortunately, the relationship did not last. They had both wanted different things in life, so they decided it was best for them to go their separate ways in 2008. Kendra began practicing paediatric dentistry in 2011, working as a dentist at her own paediatric dental practice, Smile Zone, in Irving, a suburb located around 30 minutes west of Dallas. Kendra had always wanted to work in the medical field, and she especially loved working with children. In what little free time she could spare, Kendra kept busy, and when she was not working or volunteering, she kept fit. Kendra loved practicing yoga and running the Katie Trail. Christmas was a high point of her life, a time of year she loved especially giving and receiving gifts and spending time with her family. In the spring of 2015, Kendra had entered into a new relationship with Dr. Ricardo Ricky Paniagua, who she had met on a dating app. By June, that relationship had progressed so well that Kendra was looking forward to introducing Ricky to her family. They had all heard about the relationship from Kendra, and how excited she was about the possibility of Ricky being the one. Her friend Aline Velasquez later remarked, She was on cloud nine. It was a very happy time for her. We were all happy for her. It was something she deserved. 38-year-old Ricky Paniagua appeared to be the perfect match for Kendra. He was a distinguished dermatologist, a graduate of Stanford University and assistant professor at UT Southwestern Medical Center. They were an enviable couple with successful careers in their chosen medical fields. On paper, this blossoming love was perfect. The pair had even started a wedding fund and had plans to move to California to start afresh. Just a day after the shooting, Kendra and Ricky had been scheduled to go on a mini-vacation to Cancun in Mexico. Ricky had been on his way to meet Kendra at her apartment when she was killed. He saw the flashing lights illuminating the parking garage and the heavy police presence after going to look for Kendra. Ricky had been trying to call her and text her to see where she was but began to worry when he saw the commotion. He came into the apartment complex reception area to ask if anyone had seen Kendra. Investigators had to inform him that his partner had been shot and killed in the parking garage. Ricky was devastated, and investigators quickly ruled him out as a suspect. Detective Eric Barnes with the Dallas PD was assigned to the case from the outset. Ricky Paniagua told Detective Barnes that he was trying to get in contact with Kendra. He had just been to get them food while he was waiting for her to finish work. They were supposed to be going to Mexico for a long weekend. Ricky had no idea who would want to hurt Kendra. She was not someone people disliked. Much like Ricky, he was a good, caring person with no known enemies. He was distraught, but felt assured he would have good people around him to provide comfort. His ex-girlfriend had offered to help out in any way she could and was bringing groceries over to his home later that evening. Once the appeal for information on the Cherokee Jeep was released to the media, a call came in to Dallas police. The owner of the vehicle, a man named Jose Ortiz, came in to speak with Detective Barnes. 
Ortiz told the detective he had recognised the vehicle as his own, but on the day of the killing he did not have possession of it. He had loaned it to a friend, Brenda Delgado. When the detective asked Ortiz if he thought Delgado was the woman seen driving in the vehicle in the surveillance footage, he was sure it was not, because he knew where Delgado was at the time of the murder. He said he had been at a Chili's restaurant with her at the time. Jose Ortiz said that he had called Delgado immediately when he saw his car on the news, and Delgado told him that she had let her friend Crystal borrow his Jeep that day. Delgado explained to Ortiz that Crystal had a drug problem and may have been involved in a drug deal gone wrong. Ortiz had been told by Delgado not to contact the police because they might check his immigration status, and she advised him to get the car sprayed a different colour. Following his discussion with Detective Barnes, Ortiz consented to a vehicle and cell phone search. Kendra Hatcher's partner Ricky Paniagua was asked if he recognised the name, Brenda Delgado. He did. That person was familiar to him. Brenda Delgado was his ex-girlfriend. 33-year-old Brenda Delgado was called in for questioning by the Dallas PD on September 4, 2015. In the interview footage, she seems unfazed by the fact that she is being questioned in relation to a murder investigation. She simply asks, How did my name come up? Delgado said she did not recognise the victim. She admitted that she knew Ricky Paniagua was dating someone. Still, she had never seen Kendra before the detective showed her a photo of the victim. Delgado spoke with the police about her relationship with Kendra Hatcher's boyfriend. She said they had dated a few years prior, but it had not been that serious, and when they parted ways there were no hard feelings. In fact, it was Ricky Paniagua who sent a text message to let her know about Kendra's murder, and she had offered to help out. Delgado said that she had been studying at the library a lot for her upcoming board exam. A classmate could corroborate that alibi. Besides, she said she could not have been involved in the killing because she had been at Chili's with Jose Ortiz. She even had a receipt with her to prove it. Delgado explained that she let her friend Crystal Cortez borrow the car because she would be at the library for most of the day anyway. When detectives contacted Crystal Cortez, she offered to come straight down to the police department for an interview. At first, she said that she had just been looking for a parking spot so she could take her son to a nearby park. But when confronted with the surveillance footage, she changed her story. Cortez admitted that she had been present at the murder, but she claimed she had been forced to drive by a stranger who was holding a gun to her side while her six-year-old son was in the back of the car. She said that she had been afraid to come forward because the man knew where she lived. Frustratingly, rather than a valid explanation of what happened that evening, what Cortez told police was a fabrication. However, eventually she revealed a version of the truth. Crystal Cortez told investigators that she had been paid $500 by Brenda Delgado to drive a man she knew only by his first name, Chris, to the parking garage in the Jeep Cherokee where Kendra was killed. Cortez said that Delgado was furious that her ex-boyfriend had moved on and wanted to, quote, eliminate the one thing that stood between them, Dr. Kendra Hatcher. Cortez claimed that she thought the plan was simply to rob Kendra. Cortez said that Chris had hidden in the back seat of the car which she had parked near Kendra's. The trigger man then got out of the car, shot Kendra and robbed her. 
Cortez also said that Chris had returned to the car carrying two purses. She told investigators that she had tried to back out of the plan at the last minute, but when Cortez called Delgado, Delgado did not pick up the phone. After the shooting, Cortez said that Chris had threatened her, telling her that it was none of her business how much he had been paid to commit the crime, and threatened her that if she told police about what had happened, then she and her six-year-old son would be next. Cortez said that she then dropped Chris off at an intersection in Dallas, and she drove to another location to meet Brenda Delgado, who then took one of Kendra's purses. Cortez explained that she did not have a surname for Chris. Still, she provided the detective with a cell phone number and a description of his car, a blue Chrysler Sebring. With her confession, Crystal Cortez was arrested and charged with capital murder. She was ordered to be held on $500,000 bail. A young son was taken in by Child Protective Services and was said to be distraught. Cortez's grandmother, Maria Fuentes, said that she would be fighting to get him returned to the family. Cortez's relatives were extremely surprised by her arrest. Her brother, Rudy Aguilar, told reporters, Nobody would think she would be in a situation like this because she is not that type of person. We don't know why it happened, but it did. Crystal Cortez had no criminal record and had worked for some time as a dental assistant. Her brother would later state to NBC News that he believed that Cortez had been convinced to take part by one of her friends and said, Basically, right now, my sister is kind of taking the fall for it. Dr. Kendra Hatch's family were also perplexed and said that they did not believe that Kendra was simply killed in a robbery gone wrong. Detective Barnes would question Brenda Delgado about what he had learned. He told Delgado that the authorities knew she was involved and the detective gently tried to coax the truth from her. Barnes said, I understand what it's like to want something that you can't have. I also know what it feels like to want something so bad that you're willing to do anything for it. I understand what it's like to feel like maybe you're not good enough sometimes. I understand what it's like to want something that you can't have. I also know what it feels like to want something so bad that you're willing to do anything for it. Sometimes people do that for money. Sometimes people do that for attention. And sometimes people do that for love. Okay? And I understand those things. I understand. Brenda Delgado did not crack. Although the police believed Delgado had orchestrated a murder-for-hire plot against her ex-boyfriend's new partner, they did not have enough to charge her with murder. So by time she was arrested for a traffic violation and temporarily held at Dallas County Jail before she was released. Brenda Delgado's family had moved from Mexico to the US in the early 80s. She came from a working-class background and a large family. Delgado worked hard at school. She wanted to go to college, but knew her parents could not afford the tuition fees. She found an alternative way to build a career. She decided to work her way up, starting as a dental assistant. Delgado moved to Dallas in 2011 and shortly after met Ricky Paniagua on a dating app. Ricky was older quiet, mature and ambitious. He seemed ready to settle down, despite being recently divorced. The relationship moved quickly. Delgado moved in with Ricky within a few months of dating. Things went well. Delgado got into dental school, 
Ricky gave her a promise ring. He met all of the family, including the relatives she had in Mexico, but it did not last. The relationship ended in the summer of 2014. According to Texas Monthly, Ricky Paniagua was trying to move on with his life and had begun taking salsa lessons. He was surprised to see Delgado in the class. He had not told her about it, but it seemed like fate. They got back together for a while whilst living apart, but the relationship ended again in early 2015. Nevertheless, they had remained friends. People who knew Brenda Delgado said that she had been upset by the fact that Ricky Paniagua had moved on. He had recently taken Kendra to meet his parents in San Francisco. Delgado would confide in her friends that she wanted to get back with Ricky. She was obsessed with him, and this obsession soon extended to Dr. Kendra Hatcher as well. Despite the fact Kendra did not know Delgado, Delgado had photographs of her and Ricky Paniagua on her cell phone. She even saved screenshots on her phone of Ricky's emails and text messages with another woman he dated before he met Kendra Hatcher. Crystal Cortez would divulge to investigators that before the murder, she had met with an unidentified male and Delgado at a Dallas apartment. Delgado allegedly asked the male friend if he knew somebody that could take care of something for her. The friend responded that he could. According to Cortez, Delgado had tracked Kendra's movements with an iPhone and had offered to pay Cortez $500 in exchange for Kendra's driver's license. While Brenda Delgado had not yet been arrested, investigators obtained a search warrant for her apartment, and they were seen later that day removing bags of evidence, including a laptop. As Delgado's apartment was being searched, she was nowhere to be seen. Three weeks passed and law enforcement consultant Pete Schulte said, It is surprising to me that we are three weeks out and we don't have another arrest. While Dallas Police Homicide Unit had once had the reputation of being the most elite, that was no longer the case. They had been seriously understaffed and many feared that this was hampering the investigation into Dr. Kendra Hatcher's murder. Detectives did not know the shooter's surname or where he lived, but they had his phone number. Dallas PD homicide detectives then enlisted the help of the FBI to trace the suspect's mobile phone. They discovered that the phone was pinging at a location in Dallas, so they went to the spot to investigate. In a parking lot, they saw a blue Chrysler Sebring. As luck would have it, soon after a man got into the car. Agents quickly apprehended the suspect and brought him to the station without incident. The suspect was identified as 31-year-old Christopher Love. He was arrested on October 1st, 2015. Love had a lengthy criminal record in Tennessee. In 2001, he committed theft of an automobile, evading arrest by vehicle, reckless endangerment, unlawful possession of a weapon, leaving the scene of an accident and reckless driving. He spent six months in the Youth Services Bureau's custody. In 2002, Love committed burglary of a habitation with the intent to commit theft. The following year, he pleaded guilty and received two years' probation. The next year, he evaded arrest, committed aggravated robbery, and aggravated assault against two people. And six months later, he committed aggravated robbery once again and was sentenced to eight years in prison. In March of 2013, during a traffic stop, 
Love was charged with being a felon in possession of a firearm. He later sold another gun in Memphis that he had illegally possessed. In addition to these crimes, he also committed various unadjudicated crimes in Texas, including selling drugs and attempting to become a, quote, pimp. Detective Eric Barnes informed Christopher Love that he was being interviewed in regards to the murder of a dentist named Dr. Kendra Hatcher. The detective did not disclose any more information or any of the circumstances surrounding her murder or even Kendra's description. Love responded, I know I ain't murdered nobody, especially not a white dentist. Love first of all denied that he had known Brenda Delgado or Crystal Cortez and said he had not seen either of the women before. As he was interviewed, Love's car was searched with the help of a specially trained police dog. Detectives had failed to find any evidence linking him to the murder until the dog found a 40 caliber Smith & Wesson semi-automatic pistol hidden inside the interior console of the car. Crime scene analysts had found a magazine from a 40 caliber pistol at the scene, and ballistics later matched the gun to the magazine and determined it was the murder weapon. We need to have a conversation, alright? We need to have a conversation. Who besides you has the key to your car? My car? Yeah. My baby mom. Just you and your baby mom. Just one key. We need to search one of your car. Mm-hmm. Don't find a gun in your car. Mm-hmm. But I found a gun in my car. That's not right. You ever seen that gun before? Yeah. Yeah? Who's that? That's good. When Christopher Love was informed that they had discovered the murder weapon inside his car, he told the investigator, To tell you the truth, I bought that gun from that girl. The investigator asked, What girl? Love replied, Crystal. Love claimed he bought the weapon from Crystal Cortez days after Kendra Hatcher was killed, but by this point Cortez was already in jail. Love continued to claim he did not know Delgado and knew nothing about the murder until he was told he would be facing a capital murder charge. Christopher Love asked, Why did you let Brenda go if you had her? Before admitting that he did know Brenda Delgado. Love claimed Brenda Delgado told him that she was a member of the cartel, and they wanted Kendra Hatcher's ID stolen. Love said that was all he planned on doing when he approached Kendra in the parking lot. A suspect claimed that Kendra fought him and ran with her purse towards the Jeep Cherokee, and suggested that it must have been Cortez who fired the gun. But Love's version of events did not correlate with the evidence at the crime scene or the surveillance footage. Speaking of Brenda Delgado, Love told the investigator she was, quote, the top of the puzzle you need. The puzzle soon started to come together, but there was a missing piece. Brenda Delgado had fled the country. Investigators uncovered Brenda Delgado's plan and it all stemmed from her obsession with her ex-boyfriend Ricky Paniagua. Delgado was crushed when Ricky ended their relationship. He had always helped her out, even when they were not together. She was still on his cell phone plan. Delgado always assumed they would get back together again, before Ricky fell in love with Kendra Hatcher. Delgado also happened to know the passwords for all of Ricky's accounts. She could stalk him via his iPhone, watch his message exchanges, view his emails, and learn everything about his new girlfriend. Delgado kept it a secret from Ricky, 
He was not aware of the invasion of his privacy or what danger he and Kendra were in. Delgado was simply pretending to be his friend. She did, however, let the mask slip with others. She sought help in destroying Ricky and Kendra's relationship. She asked Dates to drive her to Gables Park, or if they knew someone who could, quote, hurt someone. Delgado urged family members and friends to attack Ricky or Kendra with a metal baseball bat, offering them large sums of cash or drugs. Eventually, she ran out of options, so she had to find someone desperate enough to carry out her plan. This was when she met Crystal Cortez. Cortez was ten years younger than Brenda Delgado and raising a six-year-old on her own. Cortez needed money, and Delgado offered to give her some if she helped out with something. Delgado and Cortez began stalking Ricky and Kendra, staking out their apartments. Delgado would grow furious when she saw that Ricky was taking Kendra on romantic breaks. In the days before Kendra was killed, Ricky told Delgado that he was taking her off his cell phone plan. He was moving to California with Kendra. In Delgado's mind, she needed to find a hitman and fast. And she found one in Christopher Love, one of many random men she had approached and asked if they would kill someone for money. Christopher Love was willing to do it for a small sum of cash and some drugs. Delgado, Cortez and Love set out their plan. Cortez would drive, Love would be the shooter, and Delgado would be nowhere near the crime scene, ensuring she had a solid alibi. Cell phone records obtained for Jose Ortiz's phone showed that a call had been made to Crystal Cortez on the night of the murder. Cortez said that Delgado had made the call and asked her if the, quote, task had been carried out and told her to meet her at Jose Ortiz's house to swap cars. And now that Brenda Delgado's plan had been completed, and the authorities had set their sights on her, she had fled to Mexico. Crystal Cortez had been arrested on capital murder charges. Christopher Love was also arrested and charged with the capital murder of Dr. Kendra Hatcher, as well as a federal charge of being a felon in possession of a firearm due to his previous convictions. Love had been identified as the alleged gunman and was ordered to be held on a $2.5 million bond. Following his arrest during a phone call in a Dallas County jail, his girlfriend asked him why he kept the gun. Love replied, I don't know, man. Stupid as fuck. His girlfriend then said, If you shot that girl with that gun, you should have thrown it away or something. Love responded, I know, man. I know. Too late now, though. As Christopher Love was taken into custody, a capital murder arrest warrant was issued for Brenda Delgado. Dallas police spokesman Max Geron encouraged her to turn herself in to the authorities. While Brenda Delgado had been a person of interest as soon as the Jeep Cherokee was identified by her friend, she was not placed under police surveillance. She had been brought in for questioning, identified Cortez and then after being held temporarily, she was released. Now she was nowhere to be found. Dallas police spokesman Geron said that the cost of putting her under 24-hour surveillance would have been exorbitant, adding that it could set an expectation to keep track of every potential suspect. On October 22nd, it was announced that Delgado had been indicted by a state grand jury and that she was hiding out in Mexico. As news that Brenda Delgado was on the run had made its way to Kendra's family, Her mother, Bonnie Jameson, said, 
The only thing that I want is Delgado back and her to serve justice. That is the only thing I think about. In mid-December, Christopher Love was indicted by a state grand jury. The following year, Brenda Delgado was added to the FBI's most wanted list. She was the ninth woman ever to be placed on the list. By April of the next year, Delgado had still not been found. During a press conference, it was announced there was a $100,000 reward for information that could lead to her arrest. On April 6th, just days after news of the reward was announced, Delgado was taken into custody at an address in the Mexican town of Torreón, which was located around 190 miles west of Nueva León State. Delgado's attorney, George Milner, planned with the FBI to have Delgado cross the border and surrender herself. A defence attorney said that the FBI and the Dallas County District's Attorney Office had arranged to meet Delgado at the border. They had been corresponding with Delgado's family to work out how she could turn herself in. However, this plan was obliterated when Mexican authorities swept in and arrested her at her friend's home, where she had been staying. George Milner said that authorities knew precisely where Delgado had been hiding when she was added to the FBI's most wanted list and said that he had been in the middle of negotiating her surrender. Milner explained, If everyone had done it the way I wanted to do it, which was to have her voluntarily walk across the bridge in Laredo, Texas in March, she would have been back six months ago at much less government expense. According to George Milner, the investigator's version of what happened on the night that Kendra was killed was so, quote, bizarre and illogical that it cannot possibly be true. He said that the fear of a wrongful conviction combined with the national attention had led his client to flee her home country. Because Delgado was arrested by the Mexican police, she was remanded into custody in a Mexico City jail. In announcing the arrest, Thomas M. Class with the FBI's Dallas field office said, The FBI is extremely appreciative of our law enforcement partners in Mexico, as well as our local, state and federal partners for their tremendous cooperation and collaboration in the capture of top ten fugitive Brenda Delgado. Delgado was born in Mexico and had dual citizenship. This meant that American authorities would need the cooperation of Mexican authorities to try and extradite her back to the United States. Extradition would not have been able to happen without a grand jury indictment. Mexican law states that a citizen cannot be extradited to another country if they potentially face the death penalty. Federal and state officials announced Delgado would only be facing life in prison. With Delgado behind bars in Mexico City, it was now time for the Mexican authorities to consider her extradition. The United States had a 60-day window to formally make the request. Two days after Delgado was taken into custody, this request was made. If Delgado did not appeal, she would be extradited to the United States within a couple of months. Finally, at the beginning of October, Delgado was returned to the US and was sent to Dallas County Jail, where she would remain while she awaited the murder trial. She was ordered to be held on a $1 million bond. In mid-October 2015, Crystal Cortez had appeared in court and pleaded guilty to a reduced charge of murder. She had received a plea bargain in which she was ordered to testify against Christopher Love in his upcoming trial in exchange for a 35-year sentence. Prosecutor Kevin Brooks from the Dallas District Attorney's Office had offered her the deal 
as she knew it was her only chance to see her son again. Cortez told Texas Monthly reporter Skip Hollandsworth that it was her mother's disappointment in her that prompted Cortez to tell the truth. And so in October 2018, when Christopher Love stood trial for the murder of Dr. Kendra Hatcher, Crystal Cortez was the prosecution's key witness. When the trial began on October 21st, the prosecution displayed photographs of Dr. Kendra Hatcher inside the courtroom. During the opening statements, prosecutor Kevin Brooks outlined some of the facts of the case. He said that when Kendra started her relationship with Ricky Paniagua, she was neither aware that his ex-girlfriend Brenda Delgado had wanted him back, nor did she know how far Delgado would go to get her out of the picture. Evidence will show Brenda could not let go. She followed him and stalked him, the prosecutor said. Prosecutor Brooks revealed that Delgado had attempted to entice several people to kill Kendra, including her roommate. However, nobody wanted anything to do with the murder plot. That was at least until she met Cortez, who then connected her to Love. Christopher Love says yes for drugs and money and starts surveillance, said the prosecutor. He told the courtroom how the trio then stalked Kendra for two weeks before carrying out the murder on September 2nd, 2015. Prosecutor Brooks described Brenda Delgado as a jealous woman who wanted Kendra Hatcher dead to leave a path clear for her. Christopher Love was willing to do the job. Brooks said, Without any hesitation, he says yes in exchange for a combination of money and drugs. The first witness to be called by the prosecution was Kendra's mother, Bonnie Jameson. She said that Kendra had been head over heels with Ricky Paniagua. Kendra's mother described her daughter as an overachiever who had gravitated to the medical field because of her love for children. Bonnie Jameson recollected the moment she found out that her daughter was dead. I said, no, no, not Kendra. And they said she was shot. I'm like... What do you mean she is shot? She didn't make it. Ricky Paniagua told the courtroom that while they had only been together for six months, his relationship with Kendra had moved fast. He spoke about Brenda Delgado following their breakup, telling the courtroom that when he bumped into her on random occasions, such as when he was out running or eating dinner at a local restaurant, Ricky Paniagua thought it was simply a coincidence. He had no idea that she had been stalking him and Kendra. Delgado's former roommate Jennifer Escobar said, she said she would buy me a car and give me $2,000 if I agreed to harm Kendra. The witness said that Delgado was absolutely obsessed with Ricky Paniagua and wanted to know where he was and who he was with at any given moment. However, she sometimes made violent threats. On one occasion, Delgado had told Jennifer Escobar that she had bought a baseball bat that she wanted to use to attack Ricky, and had even shown Jennifer a syringe she could use in a potential attack. The witness told the court that Delgado's ominous plans seemed to be constantly changing. Jennifer Escobar testified. First, it was Ricky, put him in a coma or beat him up, or eliminate Hatcher. She wanted to follow around Hatcher. It had been through Jennifer Escobar that Delgado met Crystal Cortez. Crystal Cortez was the key witness testifying against Christopher Love. She said... Probably two weeks after I met Brenda Delgado, we started planning this murder. 
Cortez told the courtroom that Delgado was obsessed with Kendra and was furious that she was dating her ex-boyfriend. She pretty much said she wanted to do away with Kendra, the witness testified. According to Cortez, she and Delgado then enlisted the help of Christopher Love. He agreed that he would be the one to pull the trigger. Following the shooting, Brenda Delgado had given Love cocaine and the cash she had taken from Kendra's purse. Crystal Cortez spoke about the day of the murder, telling the courtroom that she and Love had waited for Kendra in the parking garage. Cortez explained that Love climbed out of the car she had driven him in, and moments later she heard Kendra screaming, Help! Help! Help me! She then heard a gunshot. Cortez said that after the murder was carried out, Delgado called her and asked if the task was completed, and she replied that it was. Afterwards, she and Delgado met at a friend's house, and then went to her grandmother's home to burn some of the evidence. Here, Brenda Delgado and Crystal Cortez posed for a selfie, while Cortez posted a photograph on social media of the $500 she had received shaped in a heart. In States Exhibit 110, do you recognize this photograph? That's my hand with money in it. That's my what? My hand with money in it. Okay. What's the significance of this money? Um, that was my payment for completing the task of driving Christopher Love to kill Kendra Hatchet. Before the trial, Crystal Cortez had claimed she believed the murder was a robbery gone wrong. But her testimony indicated that she knew that Kendra was going to be killed and that she was going to be acting as the getaway driver in the murder. It was planned to be a murder to look like a robbery gone bad, Cortez said. Furthermore, Cortez made the startling confession that her six-year-old son had been in the car with her as Love committed the murder. According to Crystal Cortez, it had been Delgado's idea to follow Kendra for the two weeks leading up to her murder. It was Delgado who told Love to wear gloves when handling the gun. Delgado had even attempted to purchase a silencer for the murder weapon. A video on her phone recorded the conversation she had while attempting to buy it. Dallas Police Criminal Intelligence Analyst Michael Freeman testified that call records and data extracted from Cortez, Loves and Delgado's mobile phone showed the amount of contact they had while planning the murder. Over 200 calls and texts were recorded between Delgado and Cortez, and 134 calls or texts were recorded between Cortez and Love. Phone data showed that on the day of the murder, Cortez and Love had been near Kendra's place of work for some length of time and then they switched their phones off from around 3pm to 7.45pm while they waited for Kendra and carried out the murder. When Cortez's phone was switched back on, she received a call from Brenda Delgado who used Jose Ortiz's phone. The jury would watch portions of the 20-hour interview with Christopher Love, recorded around a month after Kendra was killed. When questioned, he eventually admits to his involvement, but alleges he was under the impression that Brenda Delgado was working for the cartel. The jury also heard his jailhouse confession in the recorded call with his girlfriend, when Love admitted to not throwing away the murder weapon. During the closing arguments, defence attorney Paul Johnson suggested that his client had simply robbed Kendra and that Crystal Cortez had in fact been the one to fire the weapon. He implored the jury not to trust Cortez because she had changed her story several times over the past three years. Johnson described Cortez's 35-year sentence as a slap on the wrist 
He accused her of testifying only to save herself because she had learned that they were going to suggest that she had been the shooter, not love. Crystal Cortez was in on this planning well before Christopher Love's name even came up, Johnson said. Prosecutor Brooks, however, argued that Cortez's version of events lined up with what had actually taken place, telling the courtroom, Do you really need to follow someone every day to snatch a purse? The story makes no sense. She's dead for a really stupid and disgusting reason. And that man participated. Prosecutor Brooks said that while much of the testimony had focused on Delgado, her jealousy and her attempts to hire somebody to kill Kendra Hatcher, the jury did not need to concern themselves with that, because Delgado would have her day in court at a later date. As the verdict was read aloud, Kendra's mother cried and hugged one of the investigators who had been working on the case. The jury had deliberated for less than three hours before finding Christopher Love guilty of the murder of Kendra Hatcher. The sentencing phase would follow, and prosecutors announced that they were seeking the death penalty against Love. They said that he was a dangerous criminal with a lengthy criminal record and even stated that he had been attempting to run a prostitution ring before the murder of Kendra Hatcher. Kendra's family provided victim impact statements. Her sister Ashley Turner said, Nobody disliked her. The family recollected how Kendra was much loved something which had made her murder all the more shocking. Ashley said that her sister was a good and decent person, telling the courtroom, We didn't know that evil like this existed. Kendra had no idea she was being watched for months. Kendra's mother, Bonnie Jameson, refused to call love by his name, telling him, For three years, you've only been known as the shooter. I will never call you by your name because you are just the shooter. You executed my daughter. Christopher Love's own family would provide testimony to try and sway the jury to save his life. His sister, Misha Beasley, spoke about their parents' divorce and her brother's earlier incarceration. He was never distant, she said, but you could tell a piece of him was gone every time, every time it chipped a piece of us away. As his sister testified, Love jumped out of his seat, kicked a chair and then attempted to leave the courtroom, tripping over his shackles as he did so. Several people spoke highly of Christopher Love, while his defence team argued he was a model inmate as well as a valued family member. Gunshot residue had been found on Kendra's hands after she was killed, indicating that she had her hands behind her head in surrender when she was executed. She had died after begging for her life. In asking the jury to sentence Love to death, Prosecutor Glenn Fitzmartin said, He's the worst of the worst criminals. This was not a mistake. It was a choice of execution. Kendra knew that she was going to die that day, and he needs to feel that too, that he's going to die. Christopher Love was to be executed for the murder of Kendra Hatcher. He was the first person to be sentenced to death in Dallas County since 2013. Brenda Delgado's trial followed in June 2019. During the opening statements, defense attorney George Milner said that everybody had agreed that Delgado had exhibited obsessive behavior 
but noted that that did not necessarily mean that she had planned to kill Kendra Hatcher. He said the actual perpetrators were Crystal Cortez and Christopher Love. Refuting this, prosecutor Kevin Brooks said, The evidence is going to show you that Brenda Delgado engaged in a pattern of trying to recruit people. The prosecutor explained that Delgado had managed to convince Christopher Love that she was involved in the Mexican drug cartel. If he committed the murder, Love would have a lifetime supply of drugs and money. Many of the same witnesses during Love's trial were called back to testify once more, including Kendra's mother Bonnie Jameson, Jennifer Escobar and Ricky Paniagua. Brenda Delgado's cousin Moses Martinez testified against her, telling the courtroom that Delgado offered him money to try and scare Kendra by hitting her with a baseball bat. But he had refused. Martinez told the courtroom that Delgado had been depressed over her breakup with Ricky Paniagua and was not really being herself. Crystal Cortez testified once more, telling the jury that she, Delgado and Love had spoken about different methods of killing Kendra before reaching the conclusion that shooting her was the quickest and easiest way. The prosecution presented binoculars that Cortez said they had used to spy on Kendra in her office. On the subject of the defendant, Cortez said, She wanted to get rid of Kendra Hatcher because she was envious of her. During closing arguments, Prosecutor Brooks asked the jury to send Brenda Delgado the message, You're not going home. Delgado's defense team attacked the credibility of Crystal Cortez and suggested she testified only to save herself from a potential life sentence. They didn't give her something for nothing. This is Crystal Cortez's backup plan, said defence attorney Milner. It took the jury just 18 minutes to reach a verdict. Brenda Delgado was found guilty of the capital murder of Kendra Hatcher. Delgado received an automatic sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. Christopher Love appealed his sentence, claiming that the evidence against him was insufficient. He said that the surveillance footage from the parking garage did not show him pulling the trigger. Love still insisted that Crystal Cortez had been the one to fire the weapon. He was just trying to steal Kendra Hatcher's purse. The blame was laid with Cortez. Love's attorney claimed that the accomplice witness testimony from Cortez was not sufficient evidence to prove his client's guilt. Love also argued that his sentence was unfair, as he believed he did not meet the requirements needed to find him likely to be a danger in future. The jury had been asked to determine whether there was a probability that Love would commit criminal acts of violence again if he were ever released and that he would constitute a continuing threat to society. Factors taken into account for this finding are premeditation, the defendant's criminal history, any escalation of violence, a lack of remorse, and any attempt to shift blame. Christopher Love had planned to kill Kendra Hatcher for weeks with Delgado and Cortez. This was seen as premeditation. Love also had at least 15 prior criminal charges before his arrest for the murder of Kendra Hatcher, showing not only a lengthy criminal history, but an escalation in lawlessness and violence. Love had a tattoo of an AK-47 on his back with the words, One Man Army beneath it. While awaiting his capital murder trial, Love had bullet holes and smoke added to the tattoo by another inmate in county jail, which demonstrates a clear lack of remorse. 
and finally he continued to shift the blame to someone else, not only throughout the investigation and trial but in his appeal, when he said Cortez had been the one to pull the trigger. Christopher Love's appeal was denied in April 2021. The most poignant words spoken in court were that of Kendra Hatcher's mother after the verdict at Brenda Delgado's trial. Addressing Delgado, she said, You could have never measured up to be the woman that my daughter Kendra Hatcher was. You are the root of all evil. You and the pathetic two you had help you. This episode was researched and written by Emily G. Thompson and Eileen McFarlane. Editing by Brad Maybe. For more on our series and notes on this episode, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. And for more on the Law and Crime Podcast Network, please visit lawandcrime.com slash podcasts. This has been They Walk Among America. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.